Hello, we're live with Sarah Frazetta, the granddaughter of the prime mover of fantasy art, Frank Frazetta. And if you don't know who he is, then I've, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but you're, you're going to learn. So hello, Sarah. Hello, Brendan. Uh, Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. I'm just going to do this entropy and send a few links here. Um, so why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself in case they don't know details? Yeah, so I'm Sarah Frazetta. I'm the owner of Frazetta Girls. Um, it's an online brand. It's a, a legacy brand for my grandfather, Frank Frazetta. And I, I hate these little intros. That's it. I'm going to give a short and oh, yeah. intro. <laughs> my yeah, my right. answers will be long enough to make up for it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, so, I mean, it would be amazing enough if uh you got a chance to talk to frank Frazetta's progeny and it was like some middle-aged guy like me or you know some old woman but to know on top of it she's this ravishing nymph just like uh, amanda millias was too oh, <laughs> it makes you. it even more thank you amazing well it is it's like just an amazing all-around uh, thing to be doing so thanks again for coming on and uh, i did have some questions i do have many questions about your granddad and i hope you uh you may not know them all i uh, these prying almost <laughs> personal family questions and things but i like for me and a lot of people you know he was the one who even got people into things like fantasy like or art in in the first place i would say it was him really that got me interested in trying to in art and doing art and the reason i went to art school and everything else so and i know i'm not the only one i mean he's uh incredibly well respected but some of the things i wanted to ask you about is like how well-respected is he in, say, the Fine Arts uh, Academy kind of sense and things like this? Because I wasn't sure. I know that they tend to look down on if just being a fantasy artist being with, or a commercial artist, they kind of stick their noses up, even though everything he's doing is incredibly fun and everybody loves it. And he's way more uh, technically uh, skilled and talented than any of them. <laughs> but um, you said it. <laughs> no, it's it's. Um... A lot, honestly, a lot hasn't changed. I mean, my grandpa always said that the Fine Art Academy was very pompous. Um, by definition, his art is fine artwork. If you Google it and 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 or open a dictionary, his his artwork is fine art. But of course, they've never acknowledged him as a fine artist because he was an illustrator, a comic artist, and a fantasy artist. So they, the academy believes it's 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 below that standard. Um, so so for example for his artwork to be exhibited in the Met is still not an option. And I, I, I believe, I believe he wanted to change the style. Now this is just a theory based on interviews I've read of his and, and, and remembering what he had said in, in his life with me in conversation. And he really wanted to move after he was done with illustration, after he was financially well off and he didn't have to take as many jobs. He wanted to get into more like wildlife artwork. And I believe that's so he could get into finally the category and be recognized how he wanted to be recognized. Um, but he did a lot of personal work. There's one, uh, one for example, was a Maasai warrior. And Maasai warrior, he, he was very into to the African culture, the Maasai the tribes, and said so they were the most fierce warriors of all. His whole house was decorated in African artifacts and decor. He and my grandma both enjoyed that. But he did this gorgeous piece. It was like 24 by 36 inches, one of his like larger pieces. And yeah. it's just one of the most, I mean, the colors and the subject matter, it was gorgeous and fine. It was fine art. It was just a personal, personal work of art. There's historical value. Um, so so there were there are pieces in that collection, in his collection, which arguably are some of the best that could be in, in exhibitions of, with other fine artists. Um, but I, I just don't think he had the opportunity to to really prove that to the world. Well, I mean, to, to many, he's definitely considered a fine artist. And even like if you look at classical artists, you know, almost all of them, Rembrandt, any of them, they would have these fantasy themes a lot, you know, especially Greek mythology and stuff like that. They're very similar stuff, you know, the nubile yeah. nymphs and the gods and the heroes and stuff. So in way, many ways, he was carrying on that tradition no matter what he was doing. I, you know, I don't tend to like myself. I would be opposed to their general line of thoughts and what they the criteria they give to fine art. But there's no doubt, yeah, he is a fine art. So you've never been approached by, like, say, a local large historic gallery to put up his works or anything. Yeah. We're in Sarasota, Florida, and we have the Ringling Museum, 
and, uh, local to us. And it's, it's, I've, I've, I've been waiting for them to, to realize that, you know, the, you know, the Frazetta Art Museum is in both the brand, the, the, most of, a lot of the original art is housed in Sarasota, I won't disclose where, but, um, and I, and I've always been curious to why they don't come to us and, and want to do something with us. So I've put in feelers out there before because I would like to have his artwork exhibited at museum. Um, but, but for the most part, no, they're, they're really not interested. He had a, a showing at the Society of Illustrators in New York. Um, of course, some of his original artwork will be at the Lucas uh, Museum of Narrative Art, Narrative Art, which is opening, I believe, in 2023. And Recently, there was a fantasy exhibit at the Norman Rockwell Museum. So any, it, it usually has to tie in with either like illustrators or fantasy for it to be recognized and then put into a, another gallery or a museum. Right. Sorry, your sound is a little bit not as good as it was when we started. I don't know if the fan is pointing a certain way or something, but it was a little bit. It's not too bad. Here we go. How's it now? Yeah, it sounds fine now, yeah. Yeah, so that's a real, I mean, that's like just a disgrace to history. And someone who's had a huge impact on history. I mean, I would say recent history, but it's actually getting pretty old now. But he like, you know, guys like him changed so much in that era, that fruitful uh, decades that where he was working. But when you were saying before that he, like, did he even care um, that he was doing fantasy art? Was he really into fantasy? I mean, he must have been to do Fire and Ice. He must have loved it. Did he or did he not? Did he not care? Because <laughs> you read stories, he sounds like he just kind of like, like he didn't even read Conan, apparently, right? He just did. He, he did the archetypal look with the with the with the bangs, and I love how he put his like own face on on these things sometimes, which is even more excellent. Which is yeah, great. So, so okay, the Conan story, real quick. So basically, um, and can you hear me, okay, Brennan? Is it okay? The volume? Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, okay. it's okay. If I need to, one second. Let me just check my headphones. It might quick. be just for me. I don't know. It was, I thought it sounded. It was a bit better uh, at first. But... Let me okay. just uh, one second. No problem. How's that now? Sounded good. Is that better? Is that better? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the theme of the week: getting up and fixing things. In the middle of my discussion, so. Well, that's my, better. Yeah, that was Yeah. Going. All right. It was, it was a fan. We're just gonna, we're just gonna get through this. So, Sorry. <laughs> my 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 grandpa did not read the Conan stories, unfortunately. Um. So for the first Conan, for Conan the Adventurer, Lancer, the public, uh, the editor at Lancer was like, kind of leading him and and said, "Listen, I want you to make an image, a depiction of Robert E. Howard's Conan." that blows people away similar to like how James Bama's Doc Savage blew people away. So he gave oh. him that overall mystique and, and, and gave him notes. So he went and he did that based off of the editor's suggestion. His right. best friend at the time, Roy Crinkle, who's also an illustrator, very well-known artist. He then helped him with the Conans that came afterwards since my grandpa never read the Frost Giant's daughter. He never read the Conan Volume Five with Manny. He he basically told him what was happening in the stories, and they he even sometimes would like give him little concepts and like rough works, and then my grandpa would work off of that. I don't believe he did that with the Conans. I think they were all my grandpa's rough sketches. But Roy was very very much entwined with him and and helping him create that. And and as far as fantasy goes, I mean, he loved. I, I, what, what's King Kong? What is King King's not Kong's not? Um, is, it, is that fantasy? What was that? <laughs> so yeah. So he had, a, he had yeah yeah. So he he loved King Kong. He loved Disney's Fantasia, which is definitely fantasy. Yeah, he had to love it a bit. He had to love somewhat. Like Fire and Ice was all his yeah. story, right? I mean, that's you know. Um, had to be, or was it? Yeah, Roy Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway wrote the script, and it was more conceived through through Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi okay. kind of came to I thought they based it all off drawings that he did originally. He kind of like just pumped out a bunch of I, he, maybe I have it backwards. He did it, he did it, he concept uh conceptualized them after Ralph came and proposed this idea. 
gave him the characters and then but i mean a lot like tigra for instance tigra you can see inspiration in his in his edgar rice burroughs pieces his deja thoris like all of the women kind of look alike so and all of the barbarians kind of look alike and the monsters (laughs) if they're really tough they look like him they look like him women all have that kind of slightly asiatic look they're all usually like a brunette with like kind of funny eyes like feet very feline it it, you can always tell but yeah he loves it yeah, well, he 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 thought the world of how he looked, and and <laughs> so he was like, oh, I'm I'm the perfect model, and he he was like he was doing selfies before selfies were a thing. I mean, he was a huge photography buff. Right, but I do want to know this then, because this is what I don't understand. And you mentioned that Roy Crankle guy; he's the one who I read saying he said he he witnessed her grandfather doing a painting, or maybe several. Where he did not even do a, like you know anybody knows about painting and, and especially in oil paints you do about you do a drawing and pencil then you do like your layers of paint slowly and slowly he said he didn't do a drawing he didn't do any layers he just like got the paint on the brush and dab 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 and then he, there there was your conan so and I you know I don't know what what do you know about that because that is absolutely amazing <laughs> but that a model um, is that possible okay. or you think that's it, it's kind of a myth. It really is. Um, oh, there there were instances of of him doing that like. Um, his piece, it was a uh, piece called The Serpent. And he, I, I can't remember who was with him, but I think it was Russ Cochran, one of his friends and a collector. Russ Cochran and his son, Billy, were sitting in the studio and Russ Cochran said, create something that will blow my mind, Frank. So my grandpa went up to the canvas and he just created an S. And then from the S, he concepted this this like octopus snake thing. I, I think it's an octopus, but it was named Serpent. I don't know what happened there. But it was like this like octopus tentacle wrapping around this guy. And my grandpa didn't have a rough work for that. That just was completely conceived there in the moment. But oh, I've a seen lot that of painting. His, so the painting yes, I've seen yes. is that the one you're talking about. He just did that in the moment. Yes, he did that one in the moment. See, that so is there are, like that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. And and I think what happened, okay, so over the years, people said Frank Rosetta never used references. He even made a statement saying he never used references and he didn't do concepts or, and it was all just popped right out of his imagination. So I think this, this, this legend, it, it kind of, it, it stuck because I think my grandpa, when he, and again, this is just me theorizing, but when he saw the fans reactions of that, like, you know, they, he's like this godly type of artist that just is, is downloading these images and putting them up on the canvas and there's no actual process. It, he he saw the reaction was was good and and he liked building that kind of like persona and and it was also part of my grandma and his like marketing um really endeavor to 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 create this this man who's so legendary that he doesn't even need to pull a photo reference or you know okay, or, so or take a photo yeah so there was it it built over time and you know I I want to get more things like as I'm as I'm doing this legacy I want to get more things historically accurate like I, I i find it very important because if you're going to inspire artists you need the truth shall, shall set you free um that's just my mentality on it so we've been we've been trying to you know just just show of course there's there's instances where he didn't do it and he, and he was that magical godlike creature but there was also instances where he relied on photographs and references other yes but even that so like even that one you're saying with the snake guy like everything of course the tone and the shadow the light is perfect i like straight mm-hmm. out of his head that is completely amazing because you can tell he doesn't i mean so it sounds like more like he exaggerate he exaggerated something of I an mean, ability that he did definitely sort of have anyways but he just exaggerated he did because he you can exaggerated see... yeah 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 you, you, you sorry go on well, like for like boris for instance like our our, yeah. our nice little frame <laughs> yeah, Boris, Boris, re- re- Boris relied heavily on on models, and my grandpa did have a degree of a photographic memory where he he studied things so much that he could just pull it out if he needed to, like with a sketch or a watercolor or a pose, because he studied the human anatomy, he studied the animal anatomy, he he watched them, he became an expert on these on these things that he was into. So, yeah, yeah. By, by by focus, he was he was able to do that. I've never seen any artist anywhere depict a horse flying through the air uh, like your granddad did. Um, nobody ever. And whether that was imagination or because this is the thing, though, because all his all his drawings and paintings, they don't look 100 percent real. 
even if right. there is a model involved, there's a definitely imagination and his own invention going into it. And it still looks perfect. You know, that's not easy yeah. to do, especially with shading and everything else. But like there's an unreal element to it all, which only makes it better as well. And you know that he's not just, uh, you know, doing direct, as we said, the uh, sort of Boris Vallejo, who's also a good artist, but yeah, more, yeah. Well, more he, really, he, he prided himself on that. That was another thing that he said in multiple interviews um, that if he was going to replicate a photograph, that that's what he would he would just take a photograph and and there it is. So he wanted to create things that didn't exist. Uh oh. Hold on, I can't hear you. That happens every single time. Pardon me. That happens every single time. <laughs> I'm I'm just glad it wasn't me, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I no, I don't know why. I don't know why. At least once that happened. Sorry, sorry. Um, so it's no big deal. It's not the internet. You're fine. You're fine. What was I talking about? I can't. Even, I totally lost. <laughs> Same. It's okay. Um, you can ask me. I I don't know. I, I never know. You never know, yeah. Um, yeah, I never know. Oh yeah, straightforward way of like. So what he said about Conan, that he didn't read the stories. He, he was like, nobody else has read them either. They just look at buy the paperback for the for my painting. And, I mean, that's right. probably true, but I mean the stories are are great. I mean, I mean a lot of the paper, a lot of the yeah a lot of the paperbacks that might be true. Um, but I not after I read Conan, I'm like sorry, but that's that's not true, Grandpa. Robert E. Howard is brilliant and. My my grandpa, from what what he knew, he he respected Robert E. Howard and and complimented his works quite a few times. He he wished Robert was around to have seen Frazetta's depiction of his character. So there was definitely a respect there. I mean, it, it kind of just depended on the day and his mood on on what he'd say about anything really. Almost, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. So it was like the, the, those guys of that of that era. That sounds a lot like uh, Amanda Millis's talk about of her dad, John Millis. It was kind of very similar. You know, the first thing she did on that stream was pull out two giant prints of Frazetta's that she just bought. One was really? the what the first one with Conan on the skulls. Is that Conan the Conqueror? Or what's that one? Uh, the Conan the one. Adventure. Conan the Adventure. One? Okay, right. And mm -hmm. the one the one where he's uh, chained up and he's about to fight the big snake. Conan the Usurper. Yep, yeah. that one's awesome. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Like big giant ones too. So. So you are like, what, um, how can I say this? Like, you seem to be really spearheading this for your family, keeping keeping it going now. Um, am I wrong? I mean, is there, are you are you like in charge of the estate as it were? Is that how it is or like? Yeah, I, I would say um, I, so little backstory. I had just graduated from college. I was getting into marketing, advertising, working at like some post-production. And my mom approached me soon after my grandpa had passed away. And she's like, I know that, you know, she, she is very innocently. She's like, I, I know that you know about social media and marketing. And that's what you just went to school for. She's like, would you be interested in coming and helping us with the Frazetta estate? So, I mean, it, it, it started off really not there wasn't like a business to take over my my uncle um frank and and my grandma were the ones running this business for for years so when the business came to me we had old vintage posters and that was it so that that's that's the business that i inherited it was um you get to use frank frazetta run with it um so old old posters of like any any of the arts he did like i guess not you only have, you probably don't have rights to all the movie posters and things or do you i don't know Depends uh, on what he what he signed it's, up. It's uh, um, can be interpretive with law. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so so we just really started just going to some comic conventions and meeting fans. And at this time, Robert Rodriguez was was um, hoping to get Fire and Ice off the ground with a remake, and he started producing. That. Yeah, so he started producing really cool like limited edition jaclays and and reinventing the wheel and and showing like how Frazetta can be marketed now to like with full sublimation shirts like things that I again this was I was very I was 23 years old I really I, I knew what my grandpa did I, I I saw him but mostly as grandpa I didn't really at this time understand the impact he made on pop culture and and everything that I did love so I was kind of just discovering it as I got into it. And, and you know, it's been a journey. It's been a wild journey. Um, 
we decided to take Rosetta Girls online in 2017. And now it's just my partner, Joe and I running the business. And, and, but my, my uncle Bill, my mom and my aunt Heidi, they all, when the estate split up, they all kind of split up the rights with the, for, for some of the pieces of artwork. So they, cause the, the family didn't want to work together, but, um, that's changed over the years and, and we've, we've all grown close. So they trust yeah. me, my aunt, my aunt, my uncle Bill and my mom all trust me with, with really being the, um, the holding the torch and, and carrying on the legacy. So I, I appreciate them giving me the opportunity. Well, that's great. I mean, that's great. Yeah. And you need uh, the family legacy like yours need someone like that to, to do that for sure. For like sure. I was, me I mentioned to you, like what happened with the Tolkien estate recently seems like a bit of a travesty. And what are the, what are the safeguards? Someone, when you have a family, family legacy like that with possible continual regenerative powers and you don't want to lose the rights, you know, to death dealer or whatever, you know, different things, fire and ice and have them reinterpreted in some horrible way and destroyed. But I guess all you can do is, I mean, how do you do it? Well, is it because well, yeah, that's a good question. And I, I, I think, I think my family and all, I can all, we can all agree that we have no interest in ever selling the rights. Like, like Tolkien, Tolkien sold his rights in 1969 to a holding company. And then, then that's when it started getting muddy. Um, but I think, I think our intention is always to keep it as close to us as possible. And if, if we have to do things in an in independent fashion to be able to control the narrative and then of course, secure intellectual property and build on intellectual property, that's, that's the goal. And the mission is to, to keep it, to keep it close because it, it is unfortunate Hollywood investors, you they don't always have the best intention for it. And, and I want to keep everything very um, integral to what my grandfather wanted as well as my grandfather, grandmother. Yeah. I mean, he certainly would not like that sort of carry on where, you know, totally just warping and changing the whole thing, just taking the name and running no. commercially. Someone no, in the chat actually asks, uh, could you ask her why books of Frank's aren't very commonly available? And then some of the comment right after is they get published, but they go out of print. He's easier, easier to get this from early Renaissance artists. Is there, you know, do you, do you have the rights to the books about him or are you obviously do? Or do so we, we, for Zeta Girls, we've been in a, a, a lawsuit for a while now um, over okay. this. And, and um, we were really disappointed that Rosetta books weren't readily available because as an artist, you're, you, you want to be able to hold something, have it tangible, look through these books, use them as references, use them as inspiration. So publications and arguably might be the most important thing to, to the Frazetta legacy. So I, I guess this person in the chat hasn't seen the news, but um, we just, we didn't officially announce it on our page yet, but it's kind of starting to circulate. Uh, we, we're working with Passion to publish a 472-page Frazetta book, and it will be readily available. It will be a Frazetta coffee table book, a Frazetta Bible. Might be too heavy for the coffee table, depending on what kind of coffee table you have. But we've been working years to make this happen. And when Tashin came to us, I was, I was like, I had that moment, like this out of body experience of like, finally it's happening. This is, this yeah, needs to happen. Yeah, they're they great. I, yeah, I totally, I have a bunch of their books. Yeah. They're I good, love yeah. their books. Yeah. I, yeah. Had the, I, I just bought my mom the big Mickey Mouse book, not for uh, Christmas last year. So all of the Disney archives. And she just, she just loves it. I mean, they, they just make quality books and, and they're, they're very affordable. I mean, the, the masterpieces of fantasy art that came out, it was five, 600 pages for $200. So it's a giant book. I mean, I, yeah. they have a, they have their own press. So of course, but still. Yeah. Are they, where are they from? Is it, are they German or something? Tashin? They're, yeah. Tashin's Germany. Yep. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're very good. I like they some of some of their books actually even I would say, <laughs> like your like your grandfather, they changed my life in some ways because I remember getting one of them once. It was just like a book on um, was it pre Raphael pre Raphaelites or whatever, and Victorian art generally. I think it was, and mm. like it was so stunningly good and all, all full color, like nice uh, and nicely done all the way through. It just really brought home to me kind of the art that had been lost from that, 
you know, with the, uh, and that's, that's my, that's a whole other issue. My yeah, ranking yeah. Of those models and stuff like that, but like that's that. Cool. So yeah. they, they are, yeah. The, the, so that's good. I didn't even know they were still around now. So that's really great. Mm -hmm. So there you go, buddy. Okay. You can go buy it yeah. soon. Hopefully. Uh, how yeah, long, you don't know how it'll be here, you know? January 2023. It will be available in Europe in November, but it will that's be available it. in the States in January. Oh my God. That's amazing news. Yeah. I'll have to get one of those too. That's yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, let me see. So did you, <laughs> I think I saw you complaining about this and like this, I don't know if this is, you don't want to talk about it or anything, but the, I, I've seen he used, uh, he used to get flack, I think from sort of feminist groups probably for all the news or something. And does that still happen? Or does everyone just say they love it now or what? Honestly, it's starting to change. And I think the generation that's understanding it is, are the, you, you call them the Zoomers, Gen Z. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, a Gen Z, they look at the art, they really look at the art because this is what I appreciate about that generation. They, they, they're into like the vintage aesthetic. They're very like, they're, they, they love, anything vintage and 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 they want to know everything about it and when they when they they actually go to the Frazetta body of work not they don't just see a piece and judge it they do their a little bit of homework figure it out and their comments a lot of their comments are about that Frazetta was into equality and he was because if again if you look at Frazetta's body of work he has as many male nudes as as female nudes and oh, yeah. he and he and he appreciated both both beautiful men and beautiful women. He he said it multiple times, and he that's why he couldn't understand when the critics said, "Oh, he just put, puts these damsels in distress and and over sexualizes women." And I'm like, I don't think they're really looking at the men. Um, so yeah. he he wanted everything to be beautiful in his piece of work, whether it was a tree or a mushroom, or I mean, he had a lot of sexual innuendos, and he, he for him. It was just, he wanted to express, it was a very simple message. Anything in life can be beautiful. So I think that that, that whole stereotype of Frazetta's, uh, you know, degrading women, that's, that's passing because people are taking the time now to really understand it. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. I would say it was just a passing thing, of like someone with a political agenda using it as an excuse maybe or something, I don't know. Was something visibly fun and enjoyable, and just sort of like uh, I don't know. There's, it's 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 so hard to find something to complain about in, in it. Well, I think I think it, it was weird because I don't really know what the political uh, landscape was like back in the '70s, but it seemed to be in the '70s that's when he was getting the most flack for it. But I I don't. That's, I when, feminists were, that's when feminists were more strictly about probably rightly so, uh, anti-porn and stuff like this, right? But then they kind of switched in recent years, almost too much the other way. Yeah. Anyway, we shouldn't probably talk too much about that. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, yeah, <don't, laughs> you, you won't be monetized on YouTube. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah, that we should be doing there. But um, I was gonna ask, what is, what's, his, um, what's his highest valued paintings this day? So on record, his uh, Egyptian queen sold for 5.4 million, and that was the highest price on record. Um, but there are pieces in his collection um, that are still owned by the family that are valued at over $15 million each. So there, and, and there's private collectors that also own really significant pieces that would maybe be worth that or more. Um, yeah. You know, obviously it's, it's what people are willing to pay, but based on intellectual property, based on notoriety, he would, he, he will soon be fetching 15 to 20 million for paintings which you won't see any of it you're the granddaughter you must see some ounce of that now. Uh, so when you're, when you're, he yeah. passed when he passed away he split up the original artwork for his kids or before okay. he passed away he didn't pass away and split up artwork but before right. he passed away he split up artwork for his kids so they're doing they're very happy they're doing very well but but for, for the majority of the, his, his kids have a very, they're, they're very sentimental with the artwork and they don't want to just sell it off either. So they, they will because the, the you know, the, 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 the theory life is short and my grandparents always sold art as well. So yeah. they, they will, but also my, like my mom, like I said, she's, um, 
she's, I don't know if I said this actually, but we're, I'm helping her curate the Frazetta Art Museum in Boca Grande. And that is housing just her collection of artwork. Hopefully my um, aunt Heidi will be joining us as well. Um, my uncle Bill might be exhibiting his collection soon. So they're all very, they're still very passionate about the legacy and, and for fans to see the artwork, which is, which is great. Right. So at some point there might be, I, I saw Kirk Hammett bought one for 1 million. Which one was it? Yeah. Yeah. Kirk, he bought um, Conan the Conqueror, which is also known as Berserker. And um, he owns the Dracula meets Wolfman, um, a couple other creepy, little creepy um, in the eerie. He, he, obviously, he's a horror fan, so that's, yeah. his, that's his preferred uh, subject matter. So, yeah, he yeah. has the he has his uh, it's a, I, it's alive. I think that's the, um, the the tour name. He hasn't done that obviously since COVID, but I think I think he'll get get it back going again at some point. And they just had a great exhibit in in Madrid. Uh, called i'm going to probably butcher this but the kaixa forum and the chaos I, I don't know if the z or the x is silent i don't know i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah. but um it's that it's, it's a, a great fantasy comic um art exhibit and all of these like insane inks that i've never seen before because like i said my grandparents always sold original art but these kublatan ink drawings are all there and oh my god they're in the Middle Earth. Really? Yeah, really great. Oh, that's amazing. Sorry, I have a couple of super chats here. I just want to get to. Is the museum in PA still open? I saw the ad posting on the um, FGFB page. Also, thank you for what you do and keeping Mr. Frazetta's legacy. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, that we, so we posted we posted this old ad in the, uh, the Life and Art of Frank Frazetta. That's the group I run on Facebook. And there was an old ad um, from 1996 in the Veritech comic. And my grandparents at the time had closed down the museum in downtown East Stroudsburg. That was the first museum location. And, and they, <clears throat> excuse me, and they moved it to Boca Grande, Florida because that's where they were gonna retire. And they opened this, it's, it's a really weird place to have a museum. But they ended up putting it putting it in Boca Grande, Florida. Yeah, it's, what, it's like small, a small town or something. Or yeah, it's a it's a seven mile island with like the Rockefellers and the Duponts, and Ooh. and it's like this yeah like this very esteemed island. And then you have the Frank Rosetta Art Museum in the middle of town. So it's, <laughs> it was a it was a very interesting choice. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, so potentially uh, a hyper rich clientele, I guess, it would wander through there. Is that was that the part of it there? That could have been. I, 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 you know, who knows? I, my, my grandma was. She didn't get enough credit for her marketing ability. She was, she was um, very oh, talented yeah. in many ways. You know, yeah. so, so. I love, the, um, I love the photos he took of her with her, and she's, she seemed like just a cool, like you know, she's on the ATV and she's like got her fist in the air. Or, oh, that was actually that's even weirder. That was my aunt Heidi. Um, oh, and my, my, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. No, no, no. His wife wasn't that much younger. She was um she was in her late forties at the time, and oh. um her body, you know, she just I, I think she would have been on that ATV if she felt confident with her body at the time, but she was going through a little bit of a drinking phase, and she she wasn't looking her she wasn't looking her best. So well, she had there's uh, there's no short, there's no shortage of nudes of her. I mean, it's a good uh, few and. In her prime. Yeah, I mean, that's that sounds rude. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, we're not modest. It's Rosetta Art. How can you be modest? So, um, with all that said, I'm still not getting to my point. So we posted this old ad, and then people were like commenting and saying, "Oh, I, so the museum closed." They weren't aware of the date, 1996. So there is still a museum open in Pennsylvania. Again, it doesn't have the full collection. It has part of the collection. And then, like I said, mentioned before, there was a first location, which was downtown East Stroudsburg. That location may be opened by my Uncle Bill again. So you do have to travel to see the art, to see all of the art. It's not in one place anymore. And, and quite frankly, it, it's really never been all in one place because how much art my grandpa and grandma sold over the years. But yeah. they did a good, they good they did a good job at at alluding to that like the art is 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 sacred it's never sold 
Um, but then, of course, when, when you come in the museum, you hear all these stories all the time. My grandma would be like, so how much cash do you have? Do you want to buy an original drawing? And she'd start like kind of making her her hustle pitch. So, again, that was part of the the mystique, the branding of, of Frazetta. Right. I wouldn't think uh, compared to others, he would need too much work in that regard. It's like I can imagine people being desperate for just to get his work, like people that yeah, know, actually yeah. people that know about art and like the people exactly. famous people at that time like that would clamor to him like clint eastwood and george lucas and that um a friend of mine said made a comment your grandfather was magnificent talent and the mass uh that the masters of antiquity my friend dave martell said this uh masters of antiquity would recognize as their equal thank you for continuing to speak uh with us about that thank but yes you. and it's thank true you. he is really i mean this is the thing i i do think he should you know he is in some way more the inheritor of that tradition than than almost anybody else I can think of in, in a lot of ways, even though he was kind of forced by the times he lived in um, to be strictly a commercial artist and have to do things, you know, he would be given the subject and he would have to paint it as opposed to just being able to paint whatever he wanted and with which he, I suppose he did that as well. But, you know, he really was, his, certainly his skill level was at that level. And even a lot of them wouldn't have been able to do some of the stuff he did, at least partly from, his own imagination that he was obviously doing because of the not 100% model, 100% um, rep replication in his paintings that you know, he, like a lot of it, he was imbuing this, his own ability, like even some of the, his watercolors. And they're so crazy. Like there's no way he would, like one of the first, like the one, what's that one where the reclining blonde woman and she's nude, of course, and there's like a black jaguar and three wolves behind her. <laughs> yeah, golden and, girl. Yeah, that one, that's my amazing. favorite piece. Yeah. Is it, yeah? Really? Yeah. That, really that one. Really yeah. Sorry. The, no, it's uh, the watercolors. Uh, that so that one is an interesting story. That one was dated, copyrighted later than it was actually done, and I'm sure that's because of copyright law. But it was it was actually done in like the 50s when he was. I, I in my opinion, I I, I liked my grand. I, I preferred my grandpa's artwork when he was. I liked I liked his artwork from all of the the decades, but yeah. you can see something in it that's very it's it's it, it tells the story of of who he is when you see his artwork from the fifties, the late fifties, because right. at that point in his life, he, at that point in his career, he was like, "I'm going to prove to the world who I think I am," and and you could see that that grit in the artwork like this i'm going to i'm going to show the world what i am and and to your point that you said before i mean he de he definitely could replicate fine art i mean he he started drawing when he was 3 years old and yeah. some of the like, some of the little flip books he created um and the, and then the replications of fine art when he was only a teen were were pretty mind blowing i mean he was a child he was a child prodigy he was he oh. was gifted he was he was, he was someone that was born with a gift and then of course with a gift you have to practice and be dedicated to your craft and so it was the perfect combination he he dedicated his life to art and and he used his god-given talent so he, yeah. he could have done anything he and he always said that he's like i don't he, he'd he'd sometimes respond to the critics like for instance when he was i don't know where he someone wrote about him that really it really pissed him off i believe it was published in a magazine and they said he was washed up, his time was over. And that's when he did back-to-back -back Death Dealer and then Silver Warrior to kind of say, oh yeah, like I'm washed up. Here's here, now here's my, sit in, in glory of my arguably best paintings that I've ever created in my career. So he just needed, he, he again, he, he didn't, most of the time my grandpa was a, a person that liked to spend time alone um he was very connected with nature very connected with himself he didn't need like out outside stimulus he so he didn't he didn't really care about the critics but he, he did have a, a very sensitive side where he wanted to make sure his fans were enjoying the artwork he was definitely an artist who didn't paint for himself he was painting for for his fans which i think is yes. very special Yes, and when you mention this 50 stuff, it reminds me like some of the most amazing comics I've ever seen where some of the comics he was doing, not the, I mean, the content of the comics I wouldn't be the hugest fan of. Some of them were kind of silly, but it's just right. these ink, ink drawings. Yeah, and that's another example of his sort of exaggerated 
motion of the people and the animals that's very much him that's not real it's just like a but it's also it's just perfect and amazing and not like anybody else would do it's absolute mastery of anatomy and how something might work and in a most exaggerated kind of romantic way that isn't exactly real you know precisely looking from a model type real and i don't know I never, you're right yeah. it was, i remember the 50s comics of his and thinking like jesus this is like uh, you know nobody uh, does anything like this oh. well he was he was so attached to design being the first and foremost of anything so for instance, a lot of his art pieces, you can find something that might be like um, missing, some would say, or not completely proportionate, but or or anatomically incorrect, like impossible, like a, a stance. But my grandpa would argue back and say, sure, I could have done it the correct way, but then that would have taken away from the overall design and how it hit your eye it, like dances around the canvas. Exactly. So, that's the important part. Yeah. Yeah. That's and that's and, and he's like, it's not. It's fantasy, guys. Like it's, and it's my yeah. art. I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would make it better by making doing it his way. It's like you, yeah, you get some yeah. pet, some pet, uh, pedant who's like, you know, oh, it's not, it doesn't look totally real. It's not, you know, it's not meant to look real. Like, for God's sake. Um, it's a buoy, That's when I would when I would talk about with the grandpa like a couple of times at the end. Um, he, he had dementia. He was like older and everything. But we'd have these silly conversations, and my grandpa and I were were very close throughout the years. And I'd say, Grandpa, I was like, why do you always, I would just like bust his balls. I'm like, why do you always hide the feet and the hands? Like, you can't draw hands and feet. And then he'd get, he'd get so worked up and he'd pull out like reassembled man, the one with the hand and the girls in it, and then show me the feet. And he goes, he's like, I can draw anything. He's like, I just don't want to spend my time drawing that. And it shouldn't be the focal point. And, I, and he's like, what have you done? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Oh, I've done nothing. No, that's excellent. That's the kind of story I expect to hear. Yes, that even his own grandchild. What have you done? Yeah. That, how that how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. Get away from me, peasant. <laughs> uh, okay. Dave Martell also asks, Sarah, what what are your aspirations as an artist yourself? Honestly, I I started drawing in 2017 after I got a surgery. I couldn't move. I was very much like my grandpa in a way of like always being uh, like a gym buff, like very athletic. I mean, I'm not, I'm not athletic, but I would try to be athletic and well, you look keep, myself, keep myself in motion. But, um, so when I got a surgery, I was out of commission for a month and I'm like, geez, what the hell am I going to do? So I just, I, I picked up a pencil and, and a paper and I looked at one of my grandpa's silly, uh, funny animal drawing and I just like copied it. And I was like, I think I might've been on a painkiller. <laughs> so I looked at it and I was like, this is pretty good. But whatever, it it, it 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 started from there where I was like, I, maybe I could draw. But I really, I, I kept with it and I'm, I'm, I still am drawing. I haven't done any actual like training or, and I, and I, and I need to, and I will, but I did it because I feel like it's like, you don't know something until you go through it, until you experience it, until you do it. So I wanted to draw just to really understand how great my grandpa is and how great other artists are and what it takes for like the mind to be able to to see something and then interpret it in 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 2d like it's so damn difficult so honestly i just that was my motivation i don't have i i i have i would definitely have my own interests and my own style to put into it but i have to get the foundations down because if you don't have the foundations you, you know you gotta have the yeah. technicalities and then then you can use your imagination and create so when i when yeah. i when i invest the time i'll i'll be able to speak on that more i guess uh someone says your audio is getting a bit bad again i think maybe you maybe if you just sit forward or something if you're just on a laptop uh, it should be right. it's probably sorry, sorry. It's, time, like, it's not too bad it's okay um it's body. But, but, i hate that but like you know what they you know a lot of things are explained more um well they say it's surprising the sort of things that are actually turn out to be genetic when you think it was entirely a matter of experience. So it's possible you are carrying that Frazetta gene, you know, whether it comes out in you or your children or whatever, you know, to be to and Frank's back all over again, or even even better than before, or in terms of talent all over the place, right? I, so, I agree. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, entirely, it's entirely possible. So let's see here. What else have I got for you? Questions? 
who were his favorite artists? I would be curious about this. So he was really inspired by, um, Pat, can you hear me? I'm now I'm like all like, now I'm in my head about the audio. Oh, sorry. That's you know, it, it's, it's not bad. I think it's okay. Yeah. I think is it it's spotting. Fine. I'm trying to figure out as if it's my Wi-Fi. Or it, it, it kind of sounds like you became a bit slightly distant. It's not as loud, but it's not as bad as it was before. I think it's okay. I okay. Too much I'll, I'll just, sorry. I'll just uh, stay a little bit closer. So he was very heavily inspired by Hal Foster by Joseph Clement Cole, J. Uh, Allen St. John, um, supposedly Jose Segreus, a uh, Spanish artist, and and P.C. Uh, Sager, like a lot of just old, the old masters. Um, I don't really remember him ever like having a favorite artist that he gushed about. He was his favorite artist. <laughs> his <thing> himself. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I think he liked N.C. Wyeth in that, didn't he? Those N.C. Wyeth. Uh... Yeah, yeah. He loved N.C. Wyeth. He liked James Bama. Um, he, he, I, I, I don't know. Cause you asked me, you were, you were talking about this before, but um, Mobius. I, ah. I, I'm pretty sure he appreciated Mobius. I don't know if it was his preferred style i i'm obsessed with mobius um mm. there's a lot of parallels between mobius and and Frazetta in a lot of ways like mobius mobius spoke about wanting to put pleasure above all in his creative process and that was also like my grandfather um mobius also stated that he he referred a lot from his imagination, um, pulling from things that he had really studied over the years, and then he could he could tap into that. So there were a lot of very spiritual similarities to Mobius and Frazetta, which which is interesting. And what's really interesting is their art is actually in that forum together, the Caixa Forum in Madrid. So there's Mobius originals and Frazetta originals on display oh together God. under one roof. I know. If I could just when get it, when is this happening? I don't think I can't go to Madrid, but Jesus, I, I mean, I wish I could. I, I believe it, it. I think it's ending in October, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I'm sure it will happen again. Something like this. Yeah. Come, that, should come every, that should be in every major city in the world. That's that's it. Imagine that, yeah, just being able to go yeah. and see the originals. Because originals really do make a whole lot of difference. I remember seeing the originals of, uh, it was an Irish artist, amazing. You'd like him. Uh, what's his name? Oh, God, what's his name? He's famous for stained glass. And then he did these illustrations. And it was sort of in the style of, um, what's that guy? Aubrey Beardsley. You know that guy at all? Um, much, much, much earlier than your granddad. It's I'm sort of horrible with names. Um, okay. I probably wouldn't recognize it if I saw his artwork. Well, you'd like it though. Uh, I, maybe I can send you some later. Oh, yeah. It's like pen and ink, yeah, kind of yeah. art nouveau. But I saw when I saw the drawings in real life, I couldn't believe the detail and like the the tininess of the whatever, like little tiny little. He was like he was painting with a needle or something, you know? They're inking with a needle, like so. It just like when you see things in real life, the actual thing, not just the print, it really it makes the world of difference. I do, especially also when I went to uh, the Rijks Museum and saw the Rembrandts. I was like, oh my god, I couldn't believe it. I, it was Incredible. seen them in person. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a spiritual experience. You have to see like well, you can how see, the, you can see the stroke. Just like when you go, you can see your grandfather's originals, and you can see the paint stroke, and you get an idea of exactly. Yeah. You get more of an idea of what the of the genius because he, that he knew. Yeah. Like, oh, the perfect splash of paint right there. Like, oh wow! Like, how did mm -hmm. he do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it's really incredible. I mean, when people come into the museum, they cry. Like they're if they're so moved by the art and being able to see. The brush strokes and and being able to feel like they get into a little bit of the mind of Frank Frazetta and and my mm. grandpa he worked really small too most of his pieces were like eight by ten inches which is were they insane. they were really? tiny like what yeah I mean eight by ten so like a four not even a four yeah they were tiny I didn't know that so he's working with Taya he's working little teeny uh, brush like yeah. a brush with like three uh, little little uh, sow hairs on it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. that's amazing. So, hold on, Dave Martel is super chatting again. He says, "Was Frank a religious man?" He wants to know. <laughs> um, he was agnostic, so 
he, he believed in a God. He just, he never had a, a, a religion that he identified with. Right. And Dave is asking this because he's also Italian American. He says, how important was his Italian heritage? Was music an inspiration for him at all? If so, what kind? He was pretty proud of his Italian heritage. Um, he was Sicilian, so hot-blooded Sicilian from Brooklyn. You know, that's a, back in the day, it was uh, odd, like when, when, when you realize how segregated the community was, even in New York. Um, Irish was separated from, from Irish people were separated from, from Italians and so on and so forth. So I think there was that just sense of, sense of self, sense of this is who I am. This is the community I belong to. But um, he was heavily influenced by music. He loved Frank Sinatra, who was also Sicilian. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. And he also uh, loved, loved, um, Classical music, Stravinsky. Um, I, I would say, I'd say, classical music was his was his favorite to, to create to. That would always be on when I was in the studio, and he he'd say he can't paint anything else. Sinatra was his 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 music he'd listen to when he was like developing film or whatever, right. yeah. whatever else he's doing. No, it's true. I have uh, if I ever paint or something like that, I, yeah, classical music definitely does help. It puts you in the right frame of mind. <laughs> Oh yeah, music. Music's but, yeah. everything. I can't do anything without music. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, God, it, God, where's my music? <laughs> yeah, I know it does. It helps with virtually everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So who are you, who are, can I ask who are your favorite artists apart from your granddad? Like him, you would say it's me. It's it's. Frank no, no, not me. <laughs> yeah, and well, yeah, Frank Frazetta. Not not me though. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but I I really love Julie Bell. I think her work is incredible. Um, there is a, a girl on Instagram, her name is, oh God, the pronunciation, Bao Pham, and she draws these just like beautiful little like whimsical portraits with like flowers and, and hummingbirds and butterflies and just this like, I love artists that depict utopia because that's the world I want to live in. Um, so, so if it's, like a Tolkien kind of reminiscent, like of, of, of Tolkien's world with the Hobbit. So anyone that has that style, I mean, there's, it's, it's hard to say like my favorites now because I, there's so much on social media now that you're, I'm exposed to every day. So it really, it really varies on who I, who I, I find like a new favorite every single day. I'm like, this is it. This is the inspiration. And I use Instagram like a mood board. So I'll post my, in my stories, like who's inspiring me for the day. So, but yeah, Frank Frazetta, of course, that's, 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 the, that's the default answer. And are you not gathering, are you not gathering new artists to yourself um, for projects and things as well? Is, am I right in saying that? For, for the comics? Yeah. 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 We are um, working with Bill Sienkiewicz is one of my, I, I love him. I love his art. He's definitely one of my favorite artists. So when I saw Bill Sienkiewicz's artwork, um, on a Kid Cudi album back in, I, I believe it was 2012. I didn't know who Bill Sienkiewicz was. I didn't know the, who the artist was, but his style deeply moved me. And then when I met him at a comic convention and it all kind of pulled together, I was like, oh my God, you're the artist that did this cover that impacted me. So so we had Bill Sienkiewicz on Death Healer issue two, which was a dream come true. Um, other artists that is like, you know, we've had um, uh, Simone Bianchi, a great Italian artist. Gabe, uh, Gabrielle Del Otto. Um, uh, we just had a cover by David Finch. So a lot of great creatives coming in the pool and helping us create this series. And it, it's just so exciting. It's so exciting to see their interpretation of my grandfather's artwork and to keep inspiring in, in this way. And do they try to draw on their own style or do they, uh, do they try to do a Frank Frazetta kind of stuff? They draw, they draw it in their own way. And, and yeah. that's, uh, something I really appreciate that, you know, even with the comics, with the interiors, we didn't want an artist that was going to come in. Uh, we have Stefano Martino doing the interiors and it's very much Stefano Martino's style. And, and, and then Axel Medellin came in with issue number five, issue number four. And again, very much their own style. They're doing more in a style of a, a tribute to Frazetta, but we didn't want to have someone come in and replicate Frazetta because you can't. 
you can't do it. It's like you no. said earlier, it's his, his, his creativity, his imagination that interpreted saw gorgeous girl that he was like, Oh my God. And what, what, wowza, that's the girl. And then he would take that from his memory and, and, and use that. So you just, you can't replicate it. So we wouldn't even try. We're not that foolish. Yeah. And it takes like, he did have like the retinue of skills he had, like he mastered watercolor painting. He mastered oil. These are entirely different disciplines altogether that, you know, people spend their lifetimes at. He seemed to do them quite exactly. quickly. Well, it, I mean, he was painting since he was, as you said, two or three or something. So, yeah. I mean, he yeah. mastered these things. You know, it's not easy to do what, at all what he did. And most people still can't. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. He didn't start oil painting until he was in his 30s, which is really, really? interesting. I, yeah, he, I didn't he know did that. water. Yeah, he did watercolors and um, he might have used like gouache uh, uh, a few times, but he was using he went predominantly then into oils after I, and I believe it was Roy Crinkle again, who kind of taught him about oils. And then, then he, then he loved oils because he was like, well, hell, this is amazing because with watercolors, it's so permanent. You can't go back and, and change it. You have to work from light to dark or for the, yeah, light to dark. And, and with oils, he could go back and revise, revise, revise. Yeah. So he loved yeah, that yeah. about oils. And I think he did that a bit too much. I know he changed some classic paintings. And not, not not to say for the worst, but like you know, they were fine the way they were, and didn't he? If he could have just got it, it's so crazy because his reason was that he didn't have another canvas board, and I'm or, or masonite board, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, who the hell was, who was who was like monitoring the situation? What? I thought he, he was making good money, wasn't he? He wasn't he getting like five thousand uh, for a movie poster, you know, for Steve Clint Eastwood and those, and that was like fifty thousand back then or something. He was very frugal, so he just, at he, he the just, end. That's funny for that reason. I mean, that's hilarious, but that's the kind of excellent that makes it excellent as well. I've tried, okay, so I've told this story before. I want to, I want to, I want to emphasize how frugal he was when we oh, were in Boca Grande. He had just sold a painting for a million dollars, another one. He sold Pony and the Destroyer for a million, and right. that broke the that broke the record. He was like so happy. And he was 84, bad health. His, my grandma had just passed away. Right. And he had like a wad of hundreds and, you know, very New Yorker, like all this cash in his pockets, like big, that he's never going to spend. And we right. go over to the grocery store and I'm like, grandpa, I'm like, well, I'm telling him to buy like Klondike bars or whatever. And he goes, $7, what a ripoff. And he wouldn't buy them. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, that's... <laughs> That, that no, that kind of thing is hilarious. <laughs> that and the what can you do <laughs> when you're like a little yeah. kid or whatever. That's funny. Yeah. That is funny. <laughs> I mean, that's that's even more excellent than uh <laughs> why is that so funny? Sorry. Oh no, oh, it no. is funny. It's it's, it's it's the truth. It's it's the truth about Frank Frazetta, who he was. <laughs> well, that I mean that's hilarious though. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I remember reading um yeah, and his uh he'd also be like um he's not giving a shit kind of thing like one of the conan ones i remember reading something like he uh it wasn't drying on time he you know, he he let the, the deadline go to the last minute and he drew it or he painted it in oils like the night before and he put it in the oven to to dry it because he just couldn't you know to deliver it on time and the whole canvas worked that was, up or something. is that yeah, true that no? was the, yeah that was neanderthals that painting that painting's in the in the museum in boca grand that will be open this february but right. neanderthals was a creepy cover so when he was working with Warren, Creepy and Eerie, that he was doing the Creepy and Eerie magazines, Vampirella. And at this time in his life, he was just very relaxed. So yeah, he went in his basement. He didn't have, it was the night before my grandma was hounding him and she's like, Frank, we need the money. And he's like, I'll get to it. And she's like, no, it's the deadline tomorrow. We have to ship it out tomorrow. So he ran down into the basement, pulled out Masonite from his floor because they just had it put Masonite, I don't know. I don't know why they had masonite in the floors, but they had masonite on the in the on the boards of the floors. They just got it redone. So he pulled out the brand new masonite, brought it up, and then he did he he painted Neanderthals in like six hours, put it in the oven, and it was out. And he's like, "See, I can do anything." Again. <laughs> I, I mean, so it worked. Did it? It dried out, and it was fine. It, yeah. it worked. Yeah, it was. It worked. I don't. I don't know how it didn't mess it up. I mean, I've some of, some of the stories like I, I've talked to 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 professors at at Ringling and they're like, yeah, that's not possible if you know how the mediums work. 
but that that story it it looked it, he only did like one layer of paint on that on the masonite yeah. and then he left the masonite exposed so that one was confirmed true by by experts and then of course we would hope that would be true from frank frazetta but you know he's he liked to give himself an edge at times with stories yeah just that that whole sort of not giving a shit attitude is just so hilarious i don't know how that <laughs> That's just oh yeah, he didn't. So he, didn't he didn't give a shit about anything. No, he's <laughs> well, he, I mean, he did, but he didn't take any shit. Or he's just kind of like, yeah, it's happening my way, or you can fuck off, kind of thing. Like, right. He gave a shit about what he cared about, but not about anything else. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, since he did live till 2010, and I think I know the answer, but this is my only other question I have for you, anyways. And then I'll, I'll let you go. I mean, you've been very gracious, and the information you've imparted is completely amazing. But um, what did you think of digital art? So digital art started becoming popular in the 90s. At this time, that's when my grandpa had a, a major stroke. So he was kind of phasing out of art in general just because he lost the ability to use his right hand. He switched. He did switch over to his left hand, but it it wasn't. It, it, it's not comparable. It was. It was very different. Not only did he lose the ability to use his right hand, he lost a lot of the essence of who he was, like his, his power, his, his memory. Um, so oh, a stroke is I, like, a stroke is like your brain exploding in one, you know, exactly. And he had eight strokes. He had eight strokes from 1996 when he had oh, stroke. Yeah. He had, I mean, I, I don't even know how he was alive at the end. I was like, Oh, is he like grandpa? Like, how are you? Sheer toughness. Pure. He was tough. He was tough. He didn't complain. I mean, he, God, he had so many problems and, before that, before even in the 90s, when he had when he had his strokes, he had like a full decade. It was like from 82 to 92 of an undiagnosed thyroid problem, which I don't know if you've ever had any like autoimmune conditions, but he had hyperthyroid Graves disease. And that just that took his imagination too. he was like destroyed. So his, even if you look at his catalog of art, well, what does that, that do? What, what does that do to you? Can I ask? I don't really know. It, it, it basically, it, for him, when you're in hyperthyroid, you basically become like neurotic. So it oh. was like, you're, you're, you're over, you're over, um, stimulated his eye his eye ended up popping out because it was undiagnosed for so long that oh Graves disease will cause, and he was so insecure about that. I mean, he went from this like amazing, charismatic, handsome guy to this frail, eye popping out he's like i look like a monster you know i can't talk i can't remember people's names like it was and that's why a lot of the times when fans would come to the museum he was he was he just didn't want to be out in public like that he's like i want them to remember me for what i was in my prime and and when i could yeah. articulate and so so right. this is like a, a time in his life when he wasn't in he wasn't really he never was really interested in in, in taking in new things um, so he didn't really get to have an, op an opportunity to voice an opinion on digital art. Um, knowing his personality, though, because of how he was so attached to classical music and, and Frank Sinatra and the classic movies, he I, I don't think he would have been one to just dive into it and use that as a tool. I think he would have wanted to always remain in a, a classic style approach. Yeah. Yeah, that's yes. I, I would. I, I mean, I, I you would know better than me, obviously. But um, yeah, I would guess that as well. Um, the only uh, one last thing I wanted to say before I let you go is that I remember seeing there's a documentary, and I only saw this recently. He and it wasn't like it was the tail end of some. It wasn't a documentary. It was a speech he recorded for some group or something, and it's on YouTube. Mm. You know mm. the one, and he's talking about how he would put his works up. Um, was that it? Wasn't that he looked at them in the mirror? He turned them upside down. Yes. To make sure to see check the composition. Now that is the first of all, that's the marker of a master, because that ultimately is the secret to the whole thing working. It doesn't matter how good or amazing your anatomy and everything else is. I mean that you need all that as well. Ultimately, you have a composition, your lights and darks, and the way the, your eye travels across the canvas is the ultimate final thing. And you have to be a master to and have mastered all the other stages to even begin to know that. Vasari talks about this. Vasari in the lives of the artists when he's talking about Da Vinci and people like this. Mm -hmm. says, says the Roman the Romans would hold up a painting to the to a mirror. And then if it looked good in the mirror, then they knew that it was that it was good. So he understood mm -hmm. that. I, I hadn't I hadn't yeah. heard that since I read I read Vasari and I did not hear that again 
until I heard Frank Frazetta say it in that little um that wow. little now would that hold true for like if, if I'm photographing my artwork on my iPhone and then I see if it it does because it mirror it can mirror no it wouldn't it would be on a camera right no it's more can like it? it's it's true of photography as well but um it's more like yeah if you mirror an image or you turn it upside down and you still feel it looks pleasing basically is it like a feeling yeah then it's, it's weird good. because then it's good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is with the optics, but I just, uh, anytime if I, I will go in and it's like, I, I can't see it and, and the problem until I take a picture of it. Then I'm like, oh, there's a problem there, there. That's bad. Like, I, but it's only when I photograph it, then I somehow, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> what, what, the, what the brain's doing there. But it is so interesting that that video is called master, um, sorry, advice from the master. And it was published by uh, Galaxy Press, so uh, yeah. I think it's, yeah, it's on YouTube. It's great. It's the most valuable, Amazing. just offhand artistic um, lesson anybody could have, have you know, in this yeah, cat, in this, in this thing. That it's it, but it's there now. At least now it's on YouTube forever. So there you go. And yeah, if there's one thing you can say about your grand your grandfather's work is he's created. I mean, he reached a level of mastery that I'm pretty sure will be remembered forever. I mean, he's totally different type of thing than the classics he can't be because we're living in the modern age but you know he's going to be remembered a lot longer than a lot of people who thought they were you know mr fine artists yeah yeah he knew that he's like that people won't forget me well, you'll see and, and he was right people won't forget mm -hmm. him yeah so you can't fail i mean well i mean you <laughs> nothing that i do though will it's it's like it's it's great like i want to i want to i want to fulfill a few dreams that my grandpa never got to to finish like um he always wanted death dealer and his other characters to become intellectual property and and and, and have their stories and for people to connect to them um but you know anything anything i do is very insignificant in in the realm of how his art will be remembered. Like basically you can't ruin it because the art stands alone and will always stand the test of time. So I I I feel like, you know, you have pressure on you because you want to honor your grandparents. You don't want to just be perceived with like the wrong intentions and but but you just it's 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 impossible to ruin because he created legendary artworks. Well, I would say what you're doing is extremely important, and you're doing it uh, precisely right, uh, so far at least. <laughs> but I'm Thank sure you. you. <laughs> I'm sure you will. But like, no, it's not a small matter to have something, to inherit something like that, and then you know, to keep it alive for for everybody else, and to do to continue it. It's like a you know, it's like inheriting a vast estate, like a giant mansion, and keeping everyone yeah. employed and keeping everything going. It's, it's like that, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, Introducing it to the new world. Yeah, I mean it's a perennial thing. I'm sure it'll just keep going back and back because I haven't seen anybody who's a better fantasy artist yet. <laughs> I mean, have you? I don't. No. Mo Mobius no. was close. Mobius in his own way, but that's in his own totally, way. Totally different kind of thing as well. I don't know what. Totally different. But anyways, yeah. So, Sarah, I mean, for the love of God, thanks. <laughs> I mean, thank I'm, you, uh, Brendan. It was great talking to you. Yes, it was great. Yeah, no. I'm I'm glad we got to do this. Like I said, I've been a, a big fan of your page for a while, and when you reached out, I was I was glad I checked those uh, messages because sometimes I I'll go for too long. And so so thank you, Brendan. I had a great time with you. Oh well, thanks very much, and thanks for doing that. And uh, you know, Frank Vizetta, the one of the great. I mean, the greatest fantasy artist probably of all time. Maybe we will see. Uh, uh, but possibly Godfather forever. Godfather of so, fantasy art. Yep. I yep. mean, that's it. You know. So thanks a lot. Thank and, you. Uh, I guess that's it. All Goodbye. Right. Bye. <laughs> Thanks.